What does Jesus teach us about prayer? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me as always is Brian Dembozik. So Brian, today we are discussing, of course, everyone's favorite topic, which is prayer. It's so convicting. It is. It is. You know, I mean, next next we're probably going to be talking about money or something. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's a good one-two punch right there. You know, I'm, I'm okay with money. You know, I don't want to make it sound like I have no struggles with money at all or or materials or anything i don't want to make sound like that but i can deal with that prayer is such a struggle for me and i know so many others and it's like oh there are some people who will hear a sermon on prayer or do a study or something and they'll hear this podcast and it's like oh man i love this and gets them energized that it just it's it's so convicting for me because i'm so bad at it and and i imagine that there are many others like me out there well, I mean, you're not alone. I'm I'm right there with you. Prayer is prayer is really one of those things that that is a constant struggle. And I think yeah. I think it really is for the majority of people. Maybe that's me you know, maybe that's me me not giving people enough credit. No, I mean or it, just wanting to give myself too much. But No, I mean remember I was in, in church ministry, local church ministry for eighteen years or so before coming to Lifeway and even in my six years at Lifeway from interacting with churches and being a member of my church where I am. So, you know, my my background with church goes a lot farther back than yours as as you being a new believer, newer believer. Um mm-hmm. so for me, I know from those experiences, this is a hard subject for so many. And you always have to wonder why. It's, it's simply just talking with God. Why is it so hard for us to do this? But it is so hard for us to do it. So I'm glad we're going to have this podcast episode because I hope to learn from it as we talk through it. And of course, we're looking at uh, three really important passages uh, about prayer where, where Jesus teaches about this himself. So good stuff in store, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. And these three passages take place in two different chapters. I mean, we're going to be looking at Luke 11 and Luke 18 today. So Brian, as we think about these these passages, the first one that we're going to look at is is verses one to four of chapter 11, which are basically Luke's gospel's version of the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. And so anytime we read the, anytime we read, study, review the Lord's Prayer, there is a natural question that comes with it, which is, are we supposed to pray exactly like this? Is this supposed to be the exact words that we use? Yeah. And and I think that's a a fair question uh, because we'll hear it done. I remember playing uh, high school sports where, well, I was on the team. I sat on the bench more than I played. (laughs) <laughs> That's more than you ever did, Aaron Armstrong. Um, Don't judge me. I'm judging. Uh, okay, fine. I but I remember we would recite the Lord's Prayer before games, um, and so it's it's not uncommon. Was that your only hope of winning? Yeah, no hope of winning. Um, and so I think we'll experience that times where where we'll recite this Lord's Prayer. It is perhaps one of the passages that a lot of people happen to know. So the question kind of begs itself: Should we? And the quick answer to should we is, is clearly no. Uh, we, we don't have to. May we? Of course we may. 
Um, mm-hmm. But we know that we should, we're not mandated to for, I think, two main reasons. One, if you notice here in Luke, Luke provides a much briefer context than Matthew's. And so if we did have to pray this precisely, well, which do we do? Um, it's not consistent there. So that's, a, that's the first kind of problem that it creates. Uh, the second thing, though, is the bigger idea. It goes against Christ's intention here. His intention is not to give a, uh, a rote prayer for us to recite. It is to help us understand the structure and the heart behind what prayer is. Um, and so what's really important here is that we understand what he's conveying in the words he expresses to us. This is why some people do not refer to this as the Lord's Prayer. They will refer to it rather as the disciples' prayer because it's for us, or uh, the model prayer. That is actually the CSB that I'm using. That's how the the heading is, um, the the model prayer, as a structure of prayers, a model to pattern our prayers alongside. So when we look at this, even Luke's briefer version, you see a few things. You see an awareness of who God is. Um, an awe, a celebration of God, this mixture of recognizing God as our loving Father, but also being one who's holy. So Jesus' point there is that we have to understand who we're talking with um, and not take it for mm-hmm. granted, not not take God too lightly. I've seen people do that in prayer. Oh, he's just our Father, so we get too comfortable, and, and it comes across as flippant. And, yes. and Jesus' warning here is, no, you're talking to holy God. But at the same time, I've seen some mm-hmm. other people make the other mistake, the other end of the spectrum of they forget they're coming to a loving father and they come with great apprehension and tension and so forth. And no, no, no. So Jesus does a really good job of walking that balance. And so start with understanding who God is. And then notice there's this hunger for the kingdom. So aligning our will with the father's will, our plans with the father's plans, being on his agenda uh, and then also this idea of neediness of God, not only for provision, but for, for uh, forgiveness and so forth. So if you kind of think of those three big buckets, an awareness of God, a hunger for him and his will and his plans, and awareness of our neediness of him in a day-by-day setting, that's a great formula for our hearts to approach God to fill in our own words as we talk with him about our own setting. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, there is the... There, of course, is the conclusion of it, which which is is to be is to be forgiven and to forgive others and to be not led into temptation. And so, these reminders that temptation is always present. Mm. Um, whenever people look at this, the Lord's prayer or this model prayer, however it's set, structured in your in your Bible, one of the natural questions that we have as well with it is comes with with ver- the beginning of verse 4 which is where Jesus says in the CSB and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us this is this is really important what he's not saying is is that you'll be forgiven as you forgive others it's you'll be forget because you are forgiven we forgive we model we model forgiveness knowing that we are forgiven we recognize that both of these things are true yeah. those are that's really really important for us because an unforgiving heart doesn't is is an unforgiven heart yeah. really and 
I appreciate, and anytime I see this, I really appreciate just the fact that there is that that reality of an of of reminding us that none of us are too are so holy that we can't possibly fall into sin. Yeah, or which really isn't falling. That's a terrible passive. Yeah, because sometimes we run into it. We almost always run into it if we're honest. Yep. I mean, I don't, I don't know many people who are like, oh, I accidentally, um, you know, I accidentally started cheating on my taxes, or I accidentally had, uh, you know, committed adultery, or any of these kinds of things. That those aren't accidents; those are choices <laughs> that you make. So those, uh, that's, I just, I always get bothered by that. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Anyway, that's a hobby horse for another time, though, isn't it, Brian? It is. <laughs> it is. It is. But uh, let's so let's move on to our second passage, which comes from which comes just a few verses later, in verses nine through thirteen, and and so this follows follows um, a, a a little bit of a reminder of who what kind of what kind of father we have in in God. Um, but the verses themselves are, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So there's a lot there. And right away, one of the things that we we need to recognize right in that right in verse 11 is kind of this key idea that God always gives good gifts. We may not always see it as good, but what he gives us is for our good. And that is that's really hard for us because what we what we how we interpret that Correct me if, if if you disagree on this, Brian. Oh, I will. How we Oh good, good. How we tend to interpret good gifts is I get what I want. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. And I think that's the, the key here is as you start reading this section, that first part it seems like Jesus is setting up a name it and claim it theology here. Um, if you go to God, you ask for it, it will be given to you. Uh, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And and if we just read that and not understand what is really at play here, it could be easy to develop a name it and claim it attitude of saying, all right, well, I, this is what I want from God and I'm going to ask for it. And you said, Jesus, I will get it from him. But verse 11 is the, the safety valve, if you will, in our theology in this section. <laughs> Because verse 11 is where Jesus is saying, like, you, you, earthly fathers, you, you only give good gifts, right? And you, you guys can be punks at times. How much better will God the Father, in contrast, who is who's perfect and knows best and desires best and is, has no sin in him, how much better will he give good gifts to his children? So what you started saying there, Aaron, is critical for us how we define good. And so if I'm going to God and I'm saying, well, ask and it will be given. Therefore, I'm going to ask for a good gift in my perspective. I want a million dollars. And I'm asking for that. It's a good gift. I'm Therefore, God's required to give it to me. No, God may know a million dollars is one of the worst things for me. It, 
that could fuel greed in my heart. It could fuel consumerism, materialism, you know, you name it. And there could be a lot of bad things. God knows I'm asking that not for his glory, but because I want to please myself with that million Mm -hmm. dollars. I just want to buy things to, you know, for my own enjoyment apart from his glory. And so God knows it would be bad for me to get that gift. So I may define it as good, but he defines it as evil, as bad, as wrong. And so he will answer according to what is according to his will for his glory and for my good. That's kind mm-hmm. of what Jesus is, is trying to get on our radar here. Um, when he, it's almost assuming, ask what you are pursuing for according to God's glory or for his glory and for your true good. And then it will be given to you. It's almost, he assumes that in this whole section here. Yes. Yes. And I know that a lot of people, you know, you, you mentioned the whole, um, you know, it can look like from one perspective that, you know, maybe he's setting up some kind of weird name it and claim it prosperity type of thing. I, I see that a lot in how people, interpret verse nine with ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and the door will be open to you let's just remember as we as we read in the study of the scriptures that jesus was a jew and so there are going to be characteristics of jewish teaching traits in the way that he speaks so one of those things is uh this concept of parallelism and brian i think we've talked about this a little bit before on a on a previous episode or elsewhere but the whole idea being that jesus will say that jesus or or someone else will say uh, will say something like the same thing three different times Mm -hmm. or two different times this kind of idea that they're all connected statements that are really there to to communicate emphasis and importance and so when we see seek and you will and ask and you will be given to you seek and you'll be fine seek and you will find and knock and the door will be open to you what he's not saying is is take these three different actions he's he's saying ask yeah do it be persistent. God will give you good things because he is good. Without a doubt. And that kind of takes us to the final verse when we, we jump our passage. We jump over to Luke 18 uh, verses one through eight, where in this one, Jesus is dealing a l- little bit more on the nose with persistence. We see it there in what, what you just described that, that triad of ask, seek and knock is uh is really pointing toward persistence. But here mm-hmm. in Luke 18, it is even more clear that Jesus is telling us and inviting us to pray with persistence. And this is where he tells the the story of this really terrible judge who uh, is uh, asked by this widow many, many times. And finally, he just she wears him out and he finally says, all right, fine, I'll, I'll do for you what you ask. And you look at that and the question begs itself, is, is, is Jesus here portraying <laughs> God the Father as a bad, cranky judge? And of course the answer is no, he is not. He is setting up another contrast as he did back in Luke 11 with bad fathers on earth contrasting them with God the perfect father. Here he makes more of an extreme contrast. 
because there at least in Luke 11 there's a little bit of comparison too. Here it is almost all contrast. And so Jesus, he does this intentionally. He wants to set this character in his story as far apart from the good father as he can. Because his point is this, if such a terrible human judge will do what's right, will not God, the father, do what is right even more so? And the obvious answer is, well, of course. That's mm-hmm. what he's trying to get on our radar. So it's this amazing invitation that, that Jesus says, we are invited, we should pepper the Father with our prayers over and over. Can we ever tire God? No. Can we ever wear him out like this judge in the story? By no means. And I remember having conversations about this with people in ministry where you know they felt like they were uh, they had to stop praying for something because they're like, hey, I just keep asking God and as if they're tiring him. And it's like, no, you go to this pastor and say, no, 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 you're doing exactly what you should be doing. We yeah. are invited to do this. Um, it would be wrong for you not to ask for these things. Right. And this is actually one of those things that is all the more important, I think, for Christians in a Western context because we are so used to immediacy. We, we're we not used to having to, and we're not comfortable with the idea of waiting for anything. We don't have to persist in just about anything at this point because everything is right, like all information is right at our fingertips. Amazon gets us packages before we even order them. And all of these kinds of things uh, are practically happening. We never have to leave our houses. And it's not just because of, you know, the coronavirus. <laughs> there are, it's, it's, but when it comes to prayer, when it comes to good gifts from God, persistence is important, especially when we think about the people that we know and the people that we care about who are far from Jesus, who don't know him. We we can't assume that, that God is not going to do anything if we pray once and they don't immediately come well, to faith. And this is kind of gets to our, the final question I wanted us to, to consider in this portion of the episode. And it's more broadly, what is prayer all about then? We've looked at these three passages and um, you know learned some really important things. But taking a step back, what are we learning about prayer? What is prayer in general? And what you just described is so important to this because prayer is our invitation to bring our needs and wants to God and, and fellowship with Him, be in community with Him, praise Him and worship Him. And so you think about it, is it sufficient for us to go to God one time and pray for that child you know we're both parents my youngest child my youngest son Caleb um, I I do not believe he's made a profession a decision to to trust Christ yet he's close but I think he's just still a little bit too young it would be wrong for me to have prayed for him one time to be saved and then stop yeah my heart should be that this should be one of the most important things for me and I should be going to God regularly and be like, God, I plead with you for the salvation of my son, um, imploring the Father to work in my son's heart and draw him to himself through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That day by day, not only does it does it 
it's what I've been invited to do, but why? Because it keeps me focused where I need to focus on. It's easy for me to be out of sight and out of mind. Pray once, okay, God will do what he's going to do. Let me go about my life. But when I'm, when I'm drawing close to the Father on a regular basis, pleading for my son, what will happen? I will be more aware of my need to point my son to the gospel and not take that for granted because God often will answer prayers through what he has us do. Uh, yes. Many times we are the answer to our own prayers, as we see with the, the disciples when he looks out, Jesus looks out the harvest field and says, hey, look, harvest is right there. And then what does he do? He, he says, pray for the workers. Yeah, are few. He says, the workers <laughs> are few. So pray for them. And then what do you see? The very next section, what happens? He sends the disciples out on a mission trip. Mm-hmm. The point there is clear. You are the answer to your own prayer. So God will often do that. You know, as I'm pleading for my son's salvation, for example, he will say, that's why I positioned you there as his father to disciple him, to, to point him to the gospel. So, so prayer really, ultimately, I would argue, is more about God using that time to change us and shape us than anything else. Let's think about that. If prayer is is about changing us and shaping us, if that if if persistence and God giving good gifts to his to his children, if all of those things are the key big ideas of of these passages from Luke 11 and Luke 18, what kind of guidance can we offer just to to wrap up this conversation as we are working through this passage discipling someone else. Yeah, I would say one thing is is this that we we started this the show with this and in all seriousness, prayer is a struggle for so many people. Uh, it's a struggle for us, it's so many others. And so as we are discipling others, I think it's important one that we acknowledge that, we recognize it if it is if it is a struggle for you listening and you are discipling somebody, be honest with them. Uh, be gracious with one another. Um, but here's the thing. Let's not let it become an excuse to give up. That can happen a lot of times. And you think, well, I'm bad at it. You're bad at it too. Well, let's not do it. You may not say it like that. That's too crass, but it becomes kind of the, you give each other permission. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, no, I think when we acknowledge that we're bad at this, it should drive us to be like, Hey, let's pray for one another. Ironically, that we get better at this. Let's hold each other accountable in love and encourage one another to, to, to pursue a better prayer relationship with, with the Father. And I would dovetail this one on this takeaway, and it is there's nothing all wrong with suggesting some more structured plans. Um, again, as we talked about at the top of the show, are we to pray this literally, this Lord's Prayer? No, but we can. Um, while mm-hmm. some would argue, no, prayer should be just the heart talking to the Father. It should be totally organic. And yes, there's beauty in that, and there's truth in that. There's nothing at all wrong, I would argue, with using a model like the Acts prayer, A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, especially if we're bad at praying. Give yourself some kind of framework, some kind of help, some kind of tool. Um, Don't be afraid to use a devotion book that has some suggested prayers in it and so forth. Don't don't make the mistake of thinking because of what prayer should be in its loftiest sense that we shouldn't cheapen it at all by doing anything that's structured or feels too formula. Sometimes the only way we'll get to that more beautiful, um, organic, deep prayer is through structure. So Mm -hmm. I I would kind of suggest that. 
Yeah, absolutely. On that same note, I would also suggest, um, and and this actually is a concept that comes from a a book that, if I remember correctly, is actually called Praying the Bible or Praying Scripture, um, and because it's that's what it's all about is it's actually praying, praying with and praying through Scripture. Uh, uh, Don Whitney from Southern Seminary wrote this book uh, a couple years back, and it's fantastic. It is so helpful. And basically the big idea is, is that you pick a passage, say, um, say a Psalm, for example, and you actually pray through, not just simply pray the words of, but pray in light of what you read in each verse. And Mm -hmm. so that can be really helpful. It it helps you kind of keep some guardrails for when yeah. your mind is wandering and you start working on your on your grocery list <laughs> while you are praying as well <laughs> uh, so that is a that's a really helpful approach for me at least so that's uh that's one add-on that i'd have for you for an additional recommended approach yeah and so another thing that we that we would definitely be encouraging and this is certainly something that you know, when I'm teaching in our our kids ministry at my church, what I'm trying to help with at home as well is helping helping others really understand the heart of prayer. And so, again, that goes back to what is the intent? The intent is is communion with God, with knowing him, he like knowing him, speaking to him, bringing our needs to him and being changed by him. So that knowing those things knowing that those are the, that's the intent of it that will help us drive the the practice of prayer so yeah. that the more that we are aware of the fact that this is why we're praying we're not just praying because we're supposed to it's like reading like it, why people struggle with reading the bible people struggle with reading the bible because basically they're they're told well you're supposed to as a christian you read the Bible to hear from God, to know who he is and what he is like, and also to know who you are, because that's what the Bible does. It says from God's perspective who we are, both before Christ and and as followers of Christ. And so it shows us our need for him and what and what life with him is like. So that's the same is true with prayer. All right. So, Brian, I think that's a good place for us to, to wrap up. I, I do love to, to wrap on my own final word. There you go. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good word to end on. There we go. There we go. So uh, thanks for, for hanging out today and chatting about this. And thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.